0: Okie dokie. Welcome back, guys. First bit of content we wanted to cover, Dave, is all about the RBA and the cash rate rise. Uh, On the Tuesday, the 2nd of August, the RBA rose the cash rate another 50 basis points, which is um, the technical speak four point five percent This brings the cash rate up to 1.85%. Since May, we've had the fastest set of increases since 1994. So this is the first time in a while that the the, the Reserve Bank has sped up and risen, increased the cost of money to basically borrow at scale across the country. This is the quickest Uh they've ever sped that up and increased rates they're trying to target inflation with these rate rises. In effect, if they raise the cost of money, they're hoping to stifle some of the amount of Aussies that borrow money for business or borrow money for lending because then maybe less money will be spent and it'll reduce the supply side shocks and all that and make the economy chill out a little so the inflation of goods doesn't go up as crazy as it has been. But obviously, inflation's hit 6.1% for this past quarter in 2022. Uh-huh. Um, Governor Lowe has noted that inflation has been at its highest point since the early 1990s. Uh, he's expecting that it's going to peak at the end of this year in the December quarter of 2022 before declining towards their target range for inflation, which is 2 to 3%. Yeah, the Australian Bureau of Statistics data showed that 88,400 Australians got employment, gained jobs between May and June of this year. Um, I just sort of wondered what what you think of this news with the cash rate rise last week and maybe explain because a, a lot of our listeners uh, are more likely to be people renting at the moment and they're looking yep. at yep. maybe getting into the market later. Can you explain uh-huh. what this news with the cash right uh, might affect someone who is just renting rather than someone that might already own a house
1: yeah cool so I'll just yeah so the the RBA uses monetary policy, which is putting up interest rates or putting down interest rates to either um, increase demand and push inflation up into the two to three percent target range or uh, put up interest rates to bring it down. Um, and at the moment, they're saying inflation is 6.1%, which is above their 2% to 3% target band. So what this means is that if you've got a mortgage, you're repay- if you're on a variable rate mortgage, your repayments would go up. If you're on a fixed rate mortgage, it doesn't matter until you come off the fixed rate period. Um, and then um, if you're looking to buy a property, because interest rates go up, the servicing buffer of three percent that banks add to the interest rate when they test your ability to borrow, that goes up as well, which reduces your borrowing capacity. So, there's sort of effects all round for people as the cash rate goes up. So there's a bit there's a bit of talk about that. Most um, economists. Um, predicted that the bank would raise interest rates 0.5 and a few economists are saying that they'll they might raise and raise rates again a couple of times this year because they want to get inflation down but the the unknown with with a lot of this is what's causing inflation um, there was a lot of talk around the price of lettuce over the last two months and you know whether that was caused by floods or whatever, and there was a guy in the pay, in the Fin Review on the weekend, basically saying the problem with the price of lettuce is that there's nobody to pick them, and because there's no one, nobody to pick the lettuce, um, there's less supply of lettuce, which has put the price up. So a lot of a lot of the things happening in the economy at the moment, uh, because of supply issues, whether that's our know, power, fuel, um, tradies costs, housing costs um you know uh, fresh fresh food all that sort of thing so yeah at the moment you know, the rba is just sort of winding up the dial on on interest rates which is which is having an impact um the the main thing for the for people looking to get into the housing market it has seemed to have um led to a bit of a market correction so places are probably cheaper than they were 3 to 6 months ago um sellers who um you know, people that are keen to sell uh, more agreeable to reasonable offers rather than still wanting um, lasting know uh, 2021 20, prices when the market was was quite a bit higher so you now there, there is an opportunity there but um, uh, for people renting one of the issues with um, you know, your landlord probably has a mortgage on the rental property and as um, you know their costs go up yeah, from um, yeah rates, insurance, and interest rates going up, which increases the cost of them providing that accommodation. Um, yeah, you'll probably find rents going up as well. But a lot of that, as we've talked about a bit over the last year, is due to um, lack of supply of rental properties. So, yeah, it's going to be. I just you know, strap in. It's going to be um, an interesting year, I think. Yeah,
0: at least what's left of it. Right, it's nearly. We got yeah, four exactly, months to yeah. go. It's crazy. It's crazy how quick yeah. this year's gone. Um, so, PropTrack is uh, a data arm for realestate.com.au, which is like one of the main go to websites a lot of people tend to use for searching for rental properties, searching for price guides for houses that are on the market, and things of that nature. They reported that for June, the month of June, 20. Uh, Total searches from overseas were up 23% compared to the same time last year. Most of those queries were for rentals. So rental property searches for June 2022 increased 71% on the platform, a substantial jump compared to the 7% increase for uh, for, for sale properties. It's, it sort of might be an indication that long-term visitors from other countries are, are looking to move over, coming over to Australia, most likely migrant workers and students. Um, the largest uptick of activity was recorded coming from China, India, and Hong Kong, but nearly every country except for the, except for the US showed more interest in Aussie rentals this June compared to last year's June figures in 2021. It's interesting right like I, I wonder is it reasonable to assume from this sort of stuff that if a lot of people coming from China India and Hong Kong want to come over here anytime soon that rents are just going to go up more as more people come over here and are looking to to, to get into the rental market and start living in Australia
1: yeah I, I I think so like one of the we always talk about stats and you know to make sure you're yeah, across where they've come from. So in you know rental property searches were up 71% in June 2022 compared to last year. Now in June 2021, yeah, you know, we we're we were probably in lockdown. Um, yeah, you know, there was no no one could come here, so no one was searching. Um now people can come here, people are searching, so that the numbers have gone up. So it's it it we'd probably need the figure of searches from June 2019. Which was similar circumstances to what we're right. in now when you know, when people can come into the country. Um, you know, there's a I think I've heard on one podcast that there, you know, there's there's hundreds of thousands of you know visa applications that they've got to try and process because people want to you know come back to the country. So um, yeah, as we've sort of you know, heard from people like John Lindeman and, and Simon Presley, when new arrivals come to the country, yeah you know, they they'll rent for a couple of years so if we have a couple of 100,000 people coming into the country and we're already in a housing short, a housing rental shortage um it probably you know, doesn't doesn't take you to be Einstein to work out that, that rental prices are probably just going to keep growing because yeah. we don't haven't yeah because you know at the moment there might be five people looking at a property for rent when we've got another couple of hundred thousand people in the country it might be fifteen or twenty so there's more competition so you might have people who are desperate you know, bidding up the price. So um, if you're a renter, you're probably going to want to talk, you know, talk to your landlord or your your housemates about trying to, if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be renting for the next year or two, maybe trying to lock in a longer lease so that you can um, you know, keep your rental in check. Because, you know, whereas some, you know, agent, you know, we've had some clients, um. With property and their rents increasing $50 a week, which is for some of them, some of them like seven to 10%. So, you know, if you're a renter um, and you're looking at renting for the next couple of years and either you're by yourself or you're with a cohort of friends that you're happy living with, maybe have a chat with them about um, talking to the landlord or talking to the real estate mm-hmm. agent about locking in a longer lease so that you don't get. Um, yeah, a ten percent increase or five percent increase. Yeah, mm. for the next year or two.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time if you're renting for sure. Mm. It also, real quick too, Dave. Before we move on, I'm interested to see the latest vacancy rate updates because obviously the national vacancy rate, when you measure the the rental market across the whole country, is measured at quite a low number. That's that's uh-huh. indicating we're in a bit of a rental uh, supply issue we've got shortages for rentals but i'm interested to know where sydney and melbourne are right now and whether it's becoming hard again to get a rental if you're a tenant in melbourne and sydney or whether it's still quite easy because when i first moved back here um obviously midway through 2021 the i was able to i I i i inspected a rental applied for the rental and was approved for the rental all in the same day because nobody yeah. was looking to get into rentals at the time. It was super cheap to get a rental. So you were able to get a rental for quite a steal compared to maybe before COVID when you've got a bunch of people living here from overseas on you know, temporary work visas, people coming yeah. from from overseas to study who then went home and just vacated their places like yeah. straight away. So it'll be interesting for sure when those come out, those stats, and we'll definitely talk about them here. Um, Third thing I had for you was refinance volume. So uh, in the 12 months to June of 2022, uh, the number of refinance volume has increased almost 20%. One thing we wanted to talk about as a result from this is this loyalty tax thing that we talk about quite a bit on the show. Loyalty tax being characterized by Josh Frydenberg, who was the liberal uh, treasurer back back when SCOMO was in power. He would talk yeah. about loyalty tax being the the amount of extra money people that are in a mortgage with an existing bank that they've been with for years, They the extra money they're paying to that bank because that bank is charging them a higher amount of interest compared to their newer customers. And that's uh-huh. the amount of money that just say I get a loan and I'm with a bank for 15 years. Chances are I'm paying more than I should on interest to repay that loan. And I'm just being too lazy to move it to a different bank where I could be saving upwards of, you know, five, 500, a thousand dollars a year. So yeah. with that in mind, with the loyalty tax, uh, some analysis from a brokerage called Lendy shows that the big banks are earning about four and a half billion dollars each year from customer loyalty taxes, which is increasing, uh, especially as the RBA raises rates. And if a lot of people decide I'm just going to stay in my existing loan I don't worry too much about you know changing loans because they just don't realize the amount of money they can potentially save on their home loan by switching to another bank. So I wondered, could you explain why refinancing <clears throat> maybe became more popular over the last two years compared to in, in, in its past maybe ten years, uh, and also some examples maybe of how much some of our clients may have saved through refinancing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, look, with, yeah, pe- people are creatures of habit. So, you know, you, you buy a property, you get a loan, um, you make your repayments. Um, yeah, a lot of people, I think we we had some stats earlier this year where, you know, something like 30 or 40% of people didn't even know what their interest rate was. So, yeah, it's steady as she goes, you know, interest rates had dropped Um you know, people were on reasonably good deals of, you know, one, two, three, you know, low three percent and everything was sort of hunky-dory and no one really cared. Um, you know, we'd we'd be saying to clients, look, you know, we'll we'll make sure you're on the best loan, uh, making sure you're in the best product, asking your lender for discounts and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, some people engage with that and others don't because, you know, life gets in the way, they're busy, they're they're working, they've got kids at school, you know, they've got other activities, you know, volunteering and all that sort of stuff. Um, Then when the reserve bank starts raising interest rates, people would be getting letters from their lender, you know, they get a letter in May saying your rate's gone up, so your repayment's gone up. And then, yeah, you know, the you get a letter in June saying your rate's gone up and then a letter in July and you know people are getting their letters in all you know, they'll be getting their letters in August. So, yeah, you, know, you might have been paying, I don't know, five hundred a week uh, repayment and that's now gone up to six fifty or seven hundred and you know, you'll be watching um, TV or listening on the radio or scrolling through Facebook and you'll see all these ads for lower rates than you're on because you're more aware of what rate you're on. And so that's driven quite a substantial increase, as you said, from the stats in, in people refinancing. So um, some recent examples, like we we what we do with our clients is we'll always talk to their existing bank first just to see whether they're um willing to um, review a client's interest rate just to make sure that they're that they're getting looked after as as a client of the of the bank. Mm. Um look well, yeah sometimes the bank comes to the party other times they don't um there's no real rhyme or reason to it sometimes it might be due to um the loan value ratio like if if clients are in quite a um a good property um, yeah, you know, the, the bank the bank has details of you know which which property people are in and how much it's roughly worth and um how much um equity is there and, and that sort of thing. So other times the bank is just not interested and just says, no, that's the best we can do. So look like we've got some clients in Canberra and um they they run interest rate of 3.65% and um we had a chat to their bank and just said, look, you know, there are better deals around and, um, you yeah, know, would you be willing to, to sort of, you know, have a look at it? And the bank dropped their interest rate two days later this, uh, from 3.64% to 3.29%, which will save them about um, $152 a month. So, it doesn't, take, you know, it doesn't take us much to do that for clients and we do that all the time. But if, if people are listening and they're being with the same bank for two or three years, just give your bank a call and just say, look, I've been a customer for a while now. Um, is this the best rate you can do? I can guarantee you that whatever rate they do drop it by, they could probably do double, but they probably know they don't have to to keep your business. So the best way to get the best deal is to chat to a broker um, who can chat to your bank on your behalf and if the, you know, the the response from the bank isn't good enough can then, you know, let you know other options. Um, getting back to another reason why a lot of people are refinancing is that banks have realised that um, the best customers are people that already have a loan, that have great equity in a property, a, a proven repayment record, and are making repayments, and you know, banks are offering refinance cashbacks of up to four grand to get your business. So it's it's probably never been a better time, you know, to approach your bank for a better deal. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost like banks. There's an incentive in place for banks to basically poach customers from other lenders who have a proven couple of years track record of being good customers to that former bank. Is that sort of what you mean?
1: Uh, Yeah. 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 Like it's, it's, as I said before, like sometimes, you know, we, we had another, we're working with a a client and a, a bank at the moment where we've approached the bank and they've basically said, no, they're on the best deal that we can give them. Now we know that there's a lot better deals around. So, you know, we'll be, we'll be working with that client to sort of work that through to, to say, look, you know, maybe let's have a look at, at moving our money elsewhere. So Yeah, it's just there's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes we get surprised, other times we don't. So
0: yeah, okay. Yeah, I just say
1: to people, I just say to people, it's it's one of it's one of the benefits of using a mortgage broker because, and this this is this is not just you know blowing the mortgage broker's trumpet. This is just reality that your bank has one or two different products to offer. They offer you a variable rate with an offset account. Uh, a basic variable loan and um, or a fixed rate loan, and yeah they can just give you you know one option it's sort of it's so, sort of like going to a shop where they only sell one thing. whereas if you go to a shop where they sell lots of things which is like a mortgage broker has lots of options, and you know mortgage brokers are um, legally obligated to act in your best interests and you know will make sure you're getting looked after through the course of your loan. You know, as you pay it down and come up with strategies to pay it down quicker and that sort of thing, whereas it's not really in the bank's interest to do that. So, you know, when was the last time anyone ever got a call from their bank saying, um, "You know, hi, hi, guys, you've been really good. We've dropped your interest rate." Just doesn't happen. So, um, that's that's the thing
0: yeah one of the one of our clients i was speaking to a couple of days ago said that they found it funny they've been with their existing bank for like three to four years and the most contact they've ever had from their bank has been in the last three or four months every month getting a letter in the mail saying we're raising your variable rate so yeah that's nice isn't it to get (laughs) contact. yeah uh, it's crazy last one i had for you i found this interesting and Something I I care a lot about. I noticed after getting into this industry with you that um the the general uh op- opinion of a lot of people that uh that don't know a ton about investing in property have a very uh similar view to what the media has about property investors, that a lot of them make thousands of millions of dollars a year, they they're tax cheats they're gonna really take advantage of renters and be really bad people as landlords to their renters because they're all about the money. And some of that, uh anecdotally at least, I can I can attest to, but I really want more people to be aware of the fact that most people that invest in property are uh, are just everyday Aussies. They're not, they're not trying to take the piss. They're not trying to be tax frauds, they're not trying to do anything that the media might portray them to be. So with that said, the Australian Bureau of Statistics have a survey called the Income and Housing Survey and they've basically got a bunch of stats they released about uh, based on tax returns that that Australians give, uh, giving us a bit of an idea of the makeup of what an Aussie investor might look like and how many properties they tend to own. So the vast majority of residential dwellings Uh, in in Australia is owned by households. More than 95% of it is owned by Aussie households. Um, This is different to some other countries in the world where government or or corporate ownership is more common, where uh, companies uh, will build apartment blocks that they never plan on selling to to individual Aussies to buy. They're just built to rent. Uh, They're called build to rent developments. Of the 10 million households, in Australia, about 2 million of them invest in property. So four in five households don't invest in property at all. A lot of the people that are going to own an investment property, they own an investment property as well as they own the house that they are living in and paying off the loan of as well. There was a tracking of based on the tax returns, how many people reported that they earn rental income to give us an idea of who gets a bit of income from owning a rental property. So In the tax returns from 1978, only 4.2% of tax filers reported earning rental income on their return, compared to 2018 to 2019, where the share of people getting rental income uh, and reporting it increased to 15%. That figure's been stable since 2012. So it's about 15% or so. And that may have increased since uh, over the last couple of tax returns. But 2018, 2019 tax returns are the most recent data that we can go off right now. Homeowners that have a mortgage are more likely to own a rental than any other type of household. uh, And more than one fifth of of those households own a rent earning investment property. Um, Rent vesting is a thing we talk about a lot, uh, which is when you might rent somewhere and own an investment property in another part of Australia, but choose to rent where you want to live. Only seven point five percent of renting households are doing that strategy. The rest of people renting tend to not own any property at all. I'll leave the rest if you want to cover some of these other ones in terms of age coh- cohorts and stuff, Dave. But I just sort of wondered what what your thoughts were about these stats and whether it's a surprise or whether it's it's much of it's much of what you already sort of knew.
1: Yeah, look, no, no real surprise. I think what you've got to keep in mind is that if for someone to rent a place, someone's actually got to pay for that place. Now it's either got to got to be government, or it's got to be private investors. So yeah, they yeah rental properties don't fall out of the sky. So um, yeah, governments when yeah years and years ago when my parents bought a house, there was a, a government department called Landcom, and they used to develop. Um, house and land, basically house and land for people to um, you know, to buy, which they you know people ended up owning now over the years, governments pulled out of building property um, during that time the the population's gone up over the last twenty or thirty years, even though we haven't had much population growth in the last two due to you know, the the lack of uh, migration. The number of people in houses has reduced, which means, you know, whereas you might have had three and a half million people in a million houses, now you've got two and a half million people in a million houses, roughly. So you need more supply of properties, which we're not getting. So, before people um, have a whinge about or complain about um, property investors doing this, that, or the other thing, you've got to say, well, okay, if if property investors just say. Just say for the next year, no one decided to buy an investment property. Where's everyone going to live? Because some people, whether it's by choice um, or because they want to be rent investors, or whether it's due to financial circumstances or other things either within or not within their control, some people will always rent. Now, if a third of the population, which is roughly the amount of people always rent, um, someone's got to provide those properties for them. And if it's not government, it's got to be private investors. And if you keep kicking investors by making their interest rates higher, putting more taxes on them, um, like they're going to do in Queensland with the with the land tax change. Um you know, tell the banks to not lend as much to them which they did in you know, 2015. Um, yeah, you know, you're going to have investors go, well, why would you know, with, with some In some states, basically all the rights for the property, well, most of the rights for the property seem to sit with the tenant rather than the owner of the property. Yeah. So, you know, why would people invest? Um, some people realise that they don't want to be on the age pension or the age pension may not be around or may not be um Substantial enough for them, so they want to make sure they're looked after. So they might buy one or two investment properties. Um, yeah, it's it's just I think yeah before people sort of just yeah slag off investors, which seems to be an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. They need, and I th- I think a lot of it comes down to um, poor journalism. Yeah, a lot of the people commenting on this stuff don't know what they're talking about. So um, yeah. yeah, that's that's just the way it is. Like if as I said before, if the government's not going to, if the, if people want the government to provide houses, well, taxes will probably have to go up because the money's got to come from somewhere. Um, you know, the, the, since the new government's come in, they've committed to an increase in the in the national wage. They're looking at spending three and a half billion on um, increasing the wages of um, aged care, so they're pushing up the deficit while interest rates are rising, which means. The cost of paying for the deficit goes up. So, I think people need to think about, you know, if it's cro- it's great to say, yeah, the government will do that, but all the government does is redistribute money that comes from somewhere. And when people get something for nothing, or get su- something subsidised by the government, it's not free. It's come from someone else who's had to work to to put in their share that they're not getting any benefit from. So, I think. Um, yeah it's just one of those things um some people will always think um property investors are uh like voldemort um but unfortunately that's just not the way it is
0: no yeah it's a it's a pretty fucked situation but um yeah i i got i don't really know what to say about that stuff like the government sometimes seems to want to disincentivize people buying properties to in, as investments, but they haven't really come up with a plan of how they're going to replace what investors provide. I
1: yeah. feel
0: like, like it doesn't feel like they've really made a good plan of, cause like if, if you wanted to talk about a different way of running Australia, where government housing was the main way of providing for people. So that, that need was covered. I wouldn't be against having that discussion and hearing how that might look. I just, there's not been any cohesive plan really given out of why there's going to be more uh, reasons for tax to be taken from investors that are actually saving the government a a lot more grief, you know, but they they seem to just be digging a hole further and further. So I don't really understand where they're trying to go. Yeah,
1: the, the issue is we have a lack of supply. And so, you know, any any, um, um, solution has to include how do you increase supply? And, you know, to increase supply, you 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 might open up land for development. Well, someone's got to develop that land. And if it's not going to be government, it's got to be private companies or private investors. And if you're continually kicking those people in the head, they're less likely to do it. So,
0: Anyway, if people wanted to get in touch with us, um, we've got a couple of ways you can do that. If you want to learn about the broking side of things that we provide as a business, you can go to moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. That's the best way to, to look into what we do and how we do it. Uh, you can also go to Facebook and look up Money Saver Home Loans and you should find our page there. We have a, a, a few Instagram accounts uh, associated to the business too, but I always put those in the description box for the episode just as an easier way for you to click and go over to those relevant links. Uh, So, yeah, have a good one, people.